It's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week, I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in to a much later than usual New York, New York. JJ After Dark. New York, New York. I mean, who the hell knows? Because I was having computer wire trouble. It's well after midnight. And there is a whole lot cooking as far as the New York baseball scene is concerned. And is New York baseball alive? Kicking? Back? After we went through a month and change of a Nick hiatus where both of these teams were sleeping? And both of these teams were going through the motions and dead and buried and playing uninspiring, lackluster, subpar baseball across the board. What a hell of a week. The return of New York baseball being front and center on our show and throughout the conversations at your subway stop or your bodega or your local watering hole, whatever the case may be. Now that the Knicks have said bye-bye, it's not more baseball until you get Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones and the Jets and the Giants. And this was a monstrous week for both of these teams, respectively. And I'm starting to show, kind of throwing a question out to you, ladies and gentlemen. But to me, it's a question that I don't need much time thinking about. This week specifically was more important for who? The Yankees or the Mets? For me, it's not even close. This was a much more important week for the New York Mets. The Mets lose the first game of their series against Tampa where Verlander gets shellacked. The Mets are under 500. The Mets have not had the same sort of injuries that the Yankees have had. Not to make excuses for the Yankees. We haven't done that here on this particular show. But there is no Rodon. There is no Giancarlo Stanton. They have missed Aaron Judge for some time. They didn't have Bader for the first month of the year. Met lineup is basically the lineup you expected it to be out of spring training. And for a month of change, listen, they weren't winning a whole lot of series. Their game on Wednesday night, we may. I don't know if we'll definitely, but we may 
look back on it as one of those circle it, turning point type of moments with the way the Mets were able to rally and come back against the Tampa Bay Rays. Baseball's best team. When you look at Vientos, comes up in his first game, boom, hits a home run. Then you're down three in the ninth inning, and Alvarez with two outs, last hope, hits a game-tying home run, and my goodness, did he pimp that home run. He got his money's worth on that one. Who could blame him? Then you have David Robertson falter in the top half of the 10th inning, and then Alonzo, who's been doing nothing but homer for the New York Mets. Hasn't done much else but homer, but said a whole lot of them. He's leading Major League Baseball, hits the walk-off homer to go and win the game. And you could tell by his comments, dropping the F-bomb after the game with Kelbs. SNY has it. City Field has it. Kind of like a burden and a weight lifted off the shoulders of Alonzo and the Mets, where it's like, all right, we're back to being the team, or at least they believe maybe, believe being the team that they were a year ago. Because let's be honest, the win they had on Wednesday was a blueprint out of Met 2022 wins that we saw again and again and again over the course of 162 games. I said this last night when I was doing TV because, you know, I'm working on the Mets channel and it's all giddy Met after the win. And I don't want to say I threw cold water on it because I understood that if the Mets get going here, we're going to look back on it as a major turning point. But as they get ready for an afternoon game on Thursday, I said, well, if they go and lose Thursday, then I'm sorry, this win doesn't mean a whole lot. Then it's like, all right, it's a good win. It is what it is. Whatever. For the Mets to go today and validate it with a good win. McGill was terrific. Alonzo homers again. Beatty and Tommy Pham, who's not exactly the Apple IMF fans at the moment. They do the job offensively. Bullpen and Robertson do the job in the ninth inning and you go and win the game. Now it's time for the Mets to get cooking here. The Mets are behind the Atlanta Braves. The National League wildcard race, it's early, but it is there for the taking. It is wide open. And now you look at this weekend against Cleveland. You got Scherzer on Saturday. You got Verlander on Sunday. Time to start stringing some wins together. That's what you hope this week against Tampa Bay is going to lead to. And I have a message for Buck Showalter because I got a couple of tweets from Mets fans saying, JJ, you know, you kill Aaron Boone all the time. And I do. Rightfully so. It seems like you're giving Buck a pass on some of the things that are going on with the Mets this year. Well, here's where we're not going to give Buck a pass. So I think you guys who were getting on me on Twitter or via voicemails or whatever, I don't even know how you get on me, whatever. I heard from a Mets on the street the other day said the same thing. Why is Vientos not playing today? The guy homers, he's up here. Play the damn kids, Buck. I know you're stubborn. I know you want to stick with the veterans. I know you're going to do things your way. Mark Vientos has got to be in the lineup. I don't want to see Vogel back. I don't want to see Tommy Pham. Beatty, Alvarez, Vientos. Play those guys into the mess. And I'm very curious to see, because he's going to be up here on Friday, what in God's name Gary Sanchez looks like. I'm not expecting much. Wasn't exactly tearing the cover off the ball in AAA Syracuse. But anytime you have a player of past prominence that wore the other uniform, come to the other team in town, it's fascinating. Just like Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry, not the same sort of player Sanchez, obviously, I understand that. But they came to the Yankees and they had their career renaissance. Or you think about guys the Mets have picked up over the years that end up wearing a Yankee, that wore a Yankee uniform, end up wearing a Met uniform. I'm sure you can find a handful. I mean, I'm thinking of Bobby Abreu off the top of my head, but I can go down the laundry list of dudes. It's intriguing. So, not that I needed an additional reason to be intrigued by the Mets, but yeah, I'm kind of curious to see if Gary Sanchez can do anything in a couple-week cameo now backing up Francisco Alvarez. We'll see if there's any juice left in that bat. But big week for the Mets. And to me, it was a more important week for the Mets than the Yankees. Why? As we transition to the Yankees. The Yankees before this Toronto series and started to stabilize things. You know, you think about Bader coming back. He's giving them a spark. Judge coming back, obviously, is the straw that stirs the drink. But I think it is fair to say that this weekend was the best week. I shouldn't say weekend. This week and this four-game series against Toronto is the best series the Yankees have played all year. 
They go on the road. They win three out of four games. And you can make the argument that Thursday's win was the most impressive of the bunch. You needed to get Nesta Cortez going. You guys know he's my dude. I love him. I've been his biggest candidate. I've been a guy pounding the table for him over the last two years. He was pitching to a five and a half year array before tonight's start. He got shellacked in his last outing against the Rays. He needed a pick me up, and the Yankees as a team needed a starter to give him a pick me up because they didn't have much of a pen to work with. And then you had the Yankees in a compromised state because they don't like using guys three days in a row. Guys get hurt anyway. I don't think there's much of a difference, but hey, the metrics, the, 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 the health, the doctors, they tell us, oh, don't throw guys three days in a row. All right, fine. So they don't. You need to close this game with Weber, Breu, and Maranaccio. Give those guys credit. They all did the job. Weber made you sweat a little bit in the seventh inning, but he got some big outs. He got Guerrero, which I did not expect. Abreu, that's the best he's looked all year in the eighth inning. And Maranaccio was easy in the ninth. That's a monster statement for the Yankees. Judge coming back. Listen, you guys, outside of Otani, who would you rather have on your baseball team? I mean, in all seriousness, who would you rather have on your baseball team? Maybe Acuna? That's how good Aaron Judge is. That's how dominant Aaron Judge is. Look at the Yankees without him. That's why he got paid a gazillion dollars in the offseason. He had a monster week. And I love that he rammed it right up the Blue Jays. You know what? After that nonsense from the other day. And the Blue Jays don't shut up. I mean, Pete Walker is still chirping to this day. Enough. Enough. I can't stand this Blue Jay team. Because they've won nothing and they act like a bunch of clowns. They act like an absolute bunch of goons for a team that has accomplished nothing. So I, I, I'm out on the Toronto Blue Jays. And positives from the Yankees. Judge, Volpe turned on that ball. Volpe's going to be fine. I've said it until I'm blown in the face. He's going to be fine for this Yankee team. He even got an Aaron Hicks sighting today. And I love that Yankee Twitter is going nuts. They're putting the uh, Aaron Hicks gif in Monument Park. It's fantastic. I enjoy a little creativity uh, from my friends on social media. But that's the sort of statement the Yankees need. And the schedule gets a little easier over the next couple of days because you get the Cincinnati Reds Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Severino's debut on Peacock. So a little breakfast, a little coffee, maybe a Bloody Mary or a mimosa. And you watch Severino at 11.30 in the morning on Sunday. Yankees bare minimum. Better go and take two out of three. Let's be honest. They should sweep the Cincinnati Reds. And you're on your way. The baseball season in New York has arrived. Just in time. Now that it is center stage here on New York, New York, it's like both teams said, you know what? Now it's time we start cooperating. Both had their most impressive week of the year. Mets against the Rays. Yankees taking three out of four against the Blue Jays. We'll come back, rip through some voicemails. Then, Amy McEnany, who spends way too much time with me on SOI, will run through the week of baseball. and. Emac, not exactly the biggest fan of R.J. Barrett these days. Which, listen, to his standard, as he will explain, it's based upon where he was drafted. I think Eamon's point is he should be getting more of the heat as opposed to Julius Randle, where it's just a one-way ticket. It's a little different when you're brought here as opposed to being a homegrown guy. That's just the way it works in New York sports. And I have a far bigger issue with Randle and I do with Barrett, but we'll, we'll discuss that when Eamon comes on. Uh, voicemails when we come back. New York baseball back in business. Hallelujah. All right, voicemail time. Let's do it. 917-382-1151. Uh, nice to talk about some winning baseball for a change. I feel like I'm getting a 2022 flashback. Yankees are winning. The Mets are winning. Yankees are now 26 and 20 on the year. High for third place. That's how good the American League East is. And the Yankees will see the Orioles next week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The 28-16 Baltimore Orioles. How about the Mets getting a Sunday night game? That surprised me. Did not expect that. But they got a great A pitching matchup. Verlander and Bieber. That's a nice job by the schedule makers. Not going to lie. I actually selfishly like it. Because I can watch the Yankees at 11.30 in the morning. Done by 2 o'clock. I can enjoy my Sunday. Maybe go for a run. Clean up my apartment get some wedding stuff done so I get the fiancé off my back and then watch the Met game in the basketball night. Like, that is more ideal to me. Like, this is one of these, we've, we've been going nonstop around here. Not that anybody cares. 
But between my sister's graduation, Miami right after the fact for the Knicks game, then, you know, all the ins and outs that I got going on, Mother's Day, my birthday, I'm like, I, I, I don't want to go anywhere this weekend. The answer is no, I'm not going anywhere this weekend. Don't try to make plans. Don't try to, no, 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 no. I'll get some cleaning done, wedding stuff done, and yeah, some baseball in the morning and at night. I like that. All right, voice spell time. After I go off that little diatribe, Stefan, take it away. Hey, Jage, this is John from Long Island. Uh, first off, two awesome Yankee wins against the Toronto Blue Jays, especially the ones tonight. Super gutty, especially after Herman got pulled. But what I'm calling about are the Toronto Blue Jays. This fucking clown show loser organization. You know, you'd think after the way their season ended last year, they'd come in, you know, a little bit humble. Uh, they got talented players, of course, and they're young and they're excited. I- I'm not going to take that away from them. But after the way last season ended, after the amount of shit they talked, you would think, you know, they kind of put their heads down and do the work. Nope. Nope. Got to basically accuse our captain of cheating. Talk a massive amount of shit. These clown bench coaches are talking shit to our players and bench coaches. And then they lose. They lose like they always do because they're a fucking loser organization. Look, the Yankees haven't won a World Series lately, but nobody on our roster acts like they have. All of the players on the Blue Jays roster, especially Vladdy, Bo Bichette, and George Springer, act like they have won three or four World Series as a group. They've won nothing. They've achieved nothing of note. And if they keep behaving this way, and if they keep having this attitude, they're going to win nothing of note. They are a fucking loser organization, and I am so thrilled to kick their ass over and over again. Well, I'm right there with you, John. Now, I do have to correct you. Springer won with the Astros. You have to be fair about that. And stuck it to the Yankees multiple times with the Astros. So I'm going to exclude him from the others because he has won. But Toronto is very immature. Toronto acts like a team that has won multiple championships. They've done nothing. And we get on the Yankees, or rightfully so. Yankees have not won with this group. But the Blue Jays, they've won even less. And they act like a bunch of goons. I mean, let's call it like it is. From Pete Walker to the shenanigans in the dugout. I mean, they're, they're a tough group to like. And I am not putting any money on them to go and do anything this year. I don't trust them. I don't believe in them. There's something lacking from that team. You saw it last year, and I think you're seeing it to some degree this year. They're going to make the playoffs because talent will probably get them into the playoffs. That is not a championship team. No way, no how. The Toronto Blue Jays, you could save the tape. They will not be representing the American League in the World Series. But I I will say this. As much as the Blue Jays got under my skin this week, I like the idea that these teams don't like one another. Like I I think that's a good thing. I want more of that. There's way too much lovey-dovey nonsense in sports. So for the Yankees and the Blue Jays to have a little bad blood and a little animosity, good. Good. I would love to play them in the postseason. Yankees got to get there. Toronto, for that matter, has got to get there. American League East is good. I think minimum three teams in the AL East to get into the playoffs. The way you stack it up is pretty simple. The AL Central is not getting more than a team. The AL East is probably getting three. Maybe they get a fourth. Maybe. And then the AL West is probably going to get anywhere from two to three. That's the way this will shake out. Balance schedule is really going to help the Yankees. The idea that the Yankees are not getting 18 games from Toronto and Tampa and Baltimore and Boston, and they are now more spread out throughout the sport, that's a good thing for them. Very, very good thing. All right, who's next? JJ, it's Aiden again here in Miami. I left you, already left your voicemail, but I got to follow up. I don't think I got it all in because we got the fucking heat right now with Jimmy Buckets, Timmy Buckets, whatever the fuck you want to call him, just on an absolute heater this postseason and just letting everybody know why you never count the heat out, the zombie heat or whatever. 
whatever Simmons wants to call him. We were never dead. We were never dead. We all knew this. We all knew we were coming back. We all knew we were going to be here. Eight seed, one seed, six seed, 12 seed, I don't care what it is. The Heat are here for real. We're going to make the finals. We're going to have McDaniel and Tua sitting courtside, looking like just swagged out. Ah, this is going to be exciting. And then, yeah, it's about 45-minute drive, but I got my Panthers in the Eastern Conference Finals. We got game one tomorrow night. Uh, I'm going to be going to game three and four down here. Great time for Miami sports. Just like you said, you told all those Jets fans to get down here. When they play your team, oh, man, it's going to be it's going to be lit. Miami's getting hot, getting whatever, but look forward to Miami in December. Hopefully we've got a couple championships to celebrate right now, but can't wait to watch the series. Aiden, one of the best, one of the greats. Uh, first of all, as we do this podcast, they're getting ready for triple overtime in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals between your Panthers and the Hurricanes. So a little food for thought as we do this podcast at 12.37 in the morning. Um, I am absolutely rooting for the Miami Heat in this series. And I know they knocked off the Knicks, and that bothers me. And the Heat, they can get under your skin, the cockroaches. But they play together. And how can you not root for Jimmy Butler? Like, compare Jimmy Butler to Boston, a team that's been kind of going through the motions this entire regular season that is so poorly coached. I mean, it is comical how bad Joe Missoula has just looked completely overmatched in some of these playoff games. And look, Boston is clearly a more talented team than Miami. But talent alone is not going to win them this series. You can't leave the Miami shooters open from three all night and think you're going to get away with it. Miami is going to make you pay. You can't make mental mistakes. I I don't understand for the life of me, Missoula, with these timeouts, not using them. He doesn't like, he's like allergic to using a timeout. Saw it in the Philly series. You've seen it in game one of this series. Boston is more talented. In theory, Boston should win. Beware this Miami team. Beware. Now, the game two trends, home team down 0-1. I mean, that has been a money-in-the-bank trend this entire postseason. So you got to figure Boston is going to win game two, and they're going to win game two comfortably. But Jimmy Butler, that ankle, they okay if you ask me. He He did not look like that in any of the games against the New York Knickerbockers, which almost leads me to believe Miami was like, yeah, we don't need optimal Jimmy to go and beat this Nick team. And they were right. Because after all, Jalen Brunson was the best player in the series. But Butler is a man possessed. I mean, you want people ask me, like, who would you love to have on the Knicks? And I'm like, can I get Jimmy Butler on my team? Imagine Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brunson playing alongside one another. Oh, makes me want to cry. Makes me want to cry. Like, when I think about my favorite players in the league that are not Knicks, I, Butler's way up there. Giannis is way up there. I Listen, I'm a sucker for the stars, obviously. I, 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 the guy I have a soft spot for, he's got to show me, he's got to prove it to me, is Embiid. And by the way, he can come and play for the Knicks tomorrow, as far as I'm concerned. My four favorite players in the league, in some order, are Giannis, Butler, Jokic, and Embiid. I know, I gave you all brand names. I understand I do understand. But the guys like that, I love watching play. Like Curry, I get it. He's great. He's an immortal. He's unstoppable. But I'm, I'm sick of Curry. I'm not going to lie. I'm sick of Curry. And obviously, I'm sick of LeBron. I was rooting for LeBron for a couple of series now. That's, that's, that's over and done. Now, as you guys and gals are aware, I, I can't lose in this Western Conference Finals. I got a future on either one of these teams to go win the title. So we'll be live going into the next round. But I'm rooting hard for the Nuggets. I'd like to see the Nuggets in the NBA Finals. They've been the best team in the NBA all year, in my opinion. They deserve to be there. So, up 2-0 after a rousing fourth quarter shooting. Oh, my goodness. Put on a show. Didn't miss. Let's take one more. JJ, it's Phil from Bedford. I just watched Vogelback have one of the worst at-bats I've ever seen in my life. He came in versus the lefty. took four, especially four strikes. Even They call the first one ball one. But he took... The, the second three strikes literally down the middle without taking the bat off the shoulder, which he never does because he's always looking to walk and he's one of the worst hitters I've ever seen. But I, I just, as bad as Billy Epler's been, and he's been catastrophically bad dating back to the deadline last year when he fought a team that was 
but ready to go for it, could be put over the top with Daniel Vogelback and Darren Ruff, but, and then followed up with a horrific offseason. Um, I got to say, like, I, I can't believe what I'm watching with Buck. I was literally Buck's number one fan last year. I was all in on getting him. He had them playing good, crisp baseball. Uh, I thought he said all the right things, pushed all the right buttons. And now he's just sitting there lying down as his team stinks. I mean, can you show a little emotion in one of your post-game press conferences? I mean, I have to sit here and, and him tell me, we're going to get a turnaround. You know, we're just one rally around the corner and this and that. And it's like, Buck, what are you watching? This team is playing horrific baseball. They're terrible on the base pass this year. They're getting, you know, Alvarez got picked off a first the other day, and Buck should have taken him out and benched his ass. To set an example, didn't do it. Marte and Nimmo are misplaying balls in the outfield with each other. I mean, it's a, it's a different error every night, and, and he doesn't do anything about it. If you don't bench a guy, or if you don't change the line, if you don't say anything in a press conference, I mean, Terry Collins might not have been a good strategic manager, but when they would suck, he would come out with a fiery press conference and light a fire under their ass. Buck is just sitting there going through the motions, and I can't believe it. Like, I thought he was a different kind of manager. And I don't know if he's doing this to adjust to, you know, the new Gen Z, but, like, this is not working. And, like, he needs to really kick uh, it in gear because right now, like, to tolerate this bullshit and to not set an example and to not to try to do something to stir the pot here, like, I just can't watch this fucking team later. So I can understand the frustration. Because they've been a far sloppier team than what they were a year ago. I think a lot of it is a byproduct of the pitching being as lousy as it's been. It's been a lousy, lousy staff a month and change into the season. I didn't even mention this, and it should not go unnoticed. How good was Sanger the other night? The Mets need a lot more of that. They mean a lot more of that. Like the idea of having starters going deep into games, I think it's going to make Buck Showalter look a lot smarter. I'm going to get on from being way too stubborn with his loyalty to some of these veterans. That, to me, is my biggest issue with Buck Showalter right now. Whether it's Vogelback, whether it's Fam, whether it's Marcana, you name it. You know Buck is not in love with the idea of playing a lot of young guys on a team that has expectations of doing big things this year. Like, you could tell he is, he's uncomfortable with that. But that's what's giving you a spark. Beatty, playing Alvarez. I want to see as much Alvarez as humanly possible. And for the time being, Vientos. I mean, the guy's hitting a home run in Syracuse like every single day. He hits a home run the title game in the seventh inning. He can't be in the lineup on Thursday. Come on, Buck. Come on. There's not one Met fan on planet Earth that wants to see the likes of Vogelback and even fan. We had a hit today. Give him credit. They want to see Vientos. So I urge Buck Showalter, on behalf of all the Mets fans out there, play young players. All right, we'll have some fun with Amy McEnany, who uh, holds down the foot with us every night on Honda Sports Night. And it's usually worth the price of admission when you get a bunch of us in that bullpen getting together and watching a game or two. A lot of hooting and hollering, a lot of second guessing of managers. It's, uh, it's a vibe. It's a scene. Eamon, who is a uh, regular now on the show, joins us next. So it was a very eventful week in New York baseball. All of a sudden, the Yankees and the Mets, Eamon McEnany, SNY, they got their groove back. It's nice. Let's put it this way. Let's start here. Bigger week, more important week, Yankees or Mets? Oh, that's easy, the Mets. The Mets were on uh, life, life support. I mean, after that Verlander start on Monday, you're staring at two more games against the best team in baseball in the face. They're losing that game. No one thinks they're winning that game, despite how well Senga pitched. And then you're thinking maybe they, you know, get swept or lose another series. They hadn't won a series since the middle of April. Hadn't won two games in a row since almost the exact same time. And certainly, I think it's the Mets. Obviously, the Yankees, I think, are in a tougher division top to bottom. So every loss is magnified there. Uh, certainly a big week, at, big week for the Yanks to win that series up in Toronto. But the, the Mets might have saved their season. We talked about this yesterday, and I know you're giving me some crap for it, where I said, listen, I don't want to hear about how great this win was if they go and lose the game on Thursday afternoon, they show me something by finding a way to win that game, Eamon. Because, like, in order for Wednesday to be, like, this pivotal turning point, like, momentum swing in the 2023 Mets season, you got to follow it up with more. And, like, the idea that they were able to go and beat Tampa, who's been as good as anybody, beat them two out of three, 
respond after losing the Verlander start. Like, that's the sort of thing that should maybe say, okay, this is where the Mets can maybe start to make their move and get going. Because for a month of change, this has been one of the most brutal teams in all baseball to watch. Let's call it like it is. thousand percent. I mean, you know, there was, we're here at SNY almost every night watching these the Met games, and uh, there was finally some juice, excitement, fun. There hasn't been that in a long time, you know, for, you know since that Dodgers series for this team. So I think they badly needed it. I mean, I had a lot of fun with you, you know, because I think you came up with the line, uh, momentum is tomorrow's starting pitcher. Was that a JJ yeah, original? it might have been. It might have been. One of the many. <laughs> One of the many. But, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Look, they're not out of the water yet. I mean, obviously, we got to see Max Scherzer be Max Scherzer for a couple starts in a row because this team is not going anywhere unless Verlander and Scherzer are Cy Young caliber starting pitchers. Okay. Who would you be more concerned about? Verlander or Scherzer? Oh, Scherzer, definitely. Right there with you. Yeah. I mean, Verlander's been sharp. I mean, he had the he's had a couple he's given up the home run ball, but you know, he, you've seen him be sharp. Scherzer, you have to be concerned that it's health and he's over the hill. I'm not saying he is, okay, but he has shown you more that it's decline. Whereas Verlander has just been more injuries and not getting going. By the way, can Buck put Vientos in the lineup today? I mean, you knew he was going to do it. He's stubborn. He's, he's I mean, going to do what he's going to how do. How silly do all the, oh, they have nowhere to put him. He doesn't help the yeah. team. It's on the current roster. Heard that for weeks, by oh, the way. Oh, my goodness. Ridiculous. Gracious. Just admit you're wrong. They were You were wrong if you didn't say, see that. And good credit to Vientos for not letting up. You know, we uh, we were on the air Monday, and, you know, we joked on the air Monday. Said, you know who still is hitting home runs? Mark Vientos. I mean, you're showing the highlights in every freaking package in Syracuse. Right. Homer after homer. Oh, after after homer. So give credit to him for not, not not letting up, keeping the pressure on the Mets. And they had to bring him up. And all these, you know, all the people out there, you know, parroting the company line, saying they got no place for him and it's on the current roster, were flat out dead wrong. And credit to him for making an immediate impact. And I agree with you. He should have been right back out there on Thursday. Offensively speaking, let's take Alonzo out of this. He's in a, he's not hit for average, but right. he's hitting big home runs. He's leading baseball in homers. He's not the Met problem. Three of 12 in the three-game series, but all three hey, home runs. Big we'll swings. take it. We'll take it. Monster swings. Uh, you don't want him to turn into Rob Deere, but I'm not worried about that <laughs> with Alonzo. <laughs> Go he's to gonna, Google, young people. Yes, I was going to say Rob Deere. Uh, who's another one? I, I would have gotten Dave Kingman, Kingman, but that's the a little usual before. stock yes, answer. Yes, yes, yes. Joey Gallo could work, too. We don't <laughs> yes, expect yes. Pete to turn into Joey Gallo. No. Who is the guy? You watch the Mets here every single night. Who is the guy in this lineup? Outside, let's let's even exclude Lindor because to me, if I know he's not hitting, and I know you give me a face right now saying JJ, he's not earning the back of the baseball card, and he's not earning that contract. I totally agree with you there. But who is another guy? Because if he doesn't hit Amon, they're not winning. They're not winning anything if they don't have Alonzo and Lindor right. hitting. But who's the guy in this lineup that you're kind of like circling, saying, "All right, time to get it going." Well, there's two. We kind of had this similar discussion. I believe it was on Sunday, and you took Marte, and I think he's right there. He and Canna are, you know, my guys, because they lengthen that lineup. Marte's more explosive than Canna, so I'll put him ahead of Canna. But those are guys last year who had productive years, and they're, they're not being productive right now. They're inconsistent, and they're not, you know, they're not doing their jobs. And, you know, that's the reason why you're screaming for guys like Vientos to come up here, even though he doesn't play the outfield. Uh, I think it's Marte and then Canna. They completely changed the dynamic of this lineup. You mentioned it on Sunday night last year when you had Nimmo and Marte setting the tone in the first inning, getting on base. It was such a different game. They fall behind now more than any team in baseball because they don't get going because Nimmo's up there by himself in the top of the lineup. So I think Marte has got to return to form and then Cano right behind him. Let's have some fun with this. I will allow you right now to buy stock in one of the Met youngsters. Beatty, Alvarez, Vientos. You can have stock in any of the three. Put it in the McEnany portfolio. We buying stock in uh, Alvarez. Really? Yeah. Because of the position he plays? Because of the position. And, man, that was a bomb. I mean, he hit some taters. He hit some taters. He's got a cannon. It's not necessarily accurate, or uh, he's, but, you know, he's got the tools behind the plate. So, I think as he continues to play games and gets used to it and gets used to catching, you know, Hall of Fame pitchers and gets comfortable with that, I think the hits will come. Uh, I think... I'm not sure changing the other two. I like Beatty's swing, and Vientos obviously hit the ground running, but Alvarez looks like a guy who could you know, hit the ball country mile and has hit the ball country mile. Well, listen, he's the most highly touted of the prospects. I mean, he's a guy we've heard about You didn't now. give me Ronnie Mauricio for a while. Well, I was going to say, Mauricio, <laughs> and then you look at the Yankee farm system, you can run through the laundry list of guys. So obviously there are high expectations for Alvarez. I would bet on Beatty, though. Amen, that swing is sweet, Oh, he's dude. good. It is sweet. I I wouldn't, you know, I don't think that's a bad bet. I think all three are good choices right now from what they've shown you. Gary Sanchez, you ready? (laughs) 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. From what we do and what we get to talk about, it's one of those like fun May subplots that may mean nothing in a week and a half if he's designated for assignment. But you consider his Yankee career and how polarizing a player he was and, you know, his rise to fame and then the crash and then the idea, can Gary respond? Like that would be a topic year after year after year. It's kind of fun that he's coming back. I'm not going to lie, at least going to a different team in town, but I'm intrigued. Yeah, you got to be intrigued because you know the talent was there. And certainly the talent hasn't been there for a while or else the Yankees never would have gave up on him. They had to. Uh, you know, I'm looking to see how Max Scherzer responds to the first time he lazily lets the ball get behind him. Right, I'll be fun. Uh, curious to see how the Met fan responds when he dogs it down the first baseline. You know, all the stuff Yankee fans have seen over the years and, you know, were defended. You know, you talk about what this is, you know, Gary Sanchez and the drama. You go all the way back to one of the reasons why "quote unquote" Joe Girardi was fired was that he did not the way get he enough, couldn't handle he did not get enough out of. Oh, by the way, Gary the best Sanchez, two years of right, Gary Sanchez's career right, won right, the Joe Girardi's right. tutelage. But so, hey. so Joe Girardi was too hard on uh, Sanchez, Aaron Boone too soft, and then it became oh Girardi was too soft. So you know there was always something other than Gary Sanchez's fault. So look, who knows? Maybe Buck will you know be the uh, Jedi Knight. Uh, or whatever the phrase is, but uh, figure something out with him. Over, under, two months for Sanchez on the Met roster. Oh, under. You're going way under. Yeah, under. You think it will be a quick uh, detour? Yeah, See ya. yeah. I don't think he's going to hit. He's not hitting in, uh, he didn't hit in AAA Sacramento. Uh, I know he's got off to a great start in Syracuse, but, you know, it's, I, I so I know, said Narvaez. That the, be, so maybe I set the total wrong. Mr. Oddsmaker set the total wrong. Should I put it at like a, a month? Yeah, a month would be trickier. Okay. You know, Nar- when's Narvaez coming back? Is he ever coming back? Because that's that was their plan. That was supposed to be their guy. So if he's healthy, they'd rather have Narvaez and Alvarez. So, uh, you know, it comes down to that. Okay. Yankee perspective. I've been very down on them. They finally have shown some signs of life. I thought they played well in the Tampa series. Yeah. I thought they played, even though they were a little sloppy in the field in this Toronto series, to not have Stanton to not have Severino, to not have Rodon. The bullpen tonight was completely compromised. You take three out of four from the Blue Jays in Toronto, that's a big statement series for the Yanks. A, they needed some positive. They need to get going. Harrison Bader's been a huge difference. You know, I don't know how much he's really done with the bat, but you know, you see him running around all over the outfield making plays. Obviously, Judge is in a groove. The team is completely different when Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge. He's worth I every mean, penny. I mean, he's worth every on. penny. He's a, you know, look, are you going to get in trouble? You know, he's not the best player in baseball. But I'll take Listen, him. outside of Otani, right. who, by the way, right. is a unicorn, does something right. nobody else right. does, who are you taking other exactly. than Judge? It's a no-brainer. The guy is just awesome. You know, let, let's just accept it and enjoy it for as long as it lasts. And he completely changes. When he is locked in and going, you know, he completely changes this lineup. I know that's obvious. Any, any team would be better with the best team in baseball. But, you know, Volpe's coming around and hitting the ball hard. So tons of positives out of this. And they needed it. You know, they need to get going. I think the... Uh, the divisional come back to the pack. I don't believe in the Red Sox. The Orioles have to cool down a little bit. And, uh, you know, as we have said repeatedly this week on Honda Sports Night, enough with the Blue Jays. I am so tired. So of overrated. I mean, can this pitching coach go away? What is his problem? Who is he? What? Who are you and why are you yapping? Every at game. Le- at least can it be Donnie Baseball? Can it be entertaining or, you know, at least have, you know, sit down Fat Boy, the manager? You're the pitching coach. Sit down and look at the pitch count. Amazing. Who Amazing. For a team, by the way, that has a ton of talent. Not going to dispute that. Barrera Jr., Bichette, Springer. They got some talent. Go win the division. But not only have they not won a division, they haven't won a playoff series. They haven't won anything. And they act like a bunch of fake tough guys. I said it the other night. Embarrassing across the board. I'm t- I am so sick of this Blue Jay team. And I don't. they, to me, Eamon, with all their talent, they don't scare me. They don't scare me from a Yankee perspective. Tampa scares me. The Astros scare me because the Yankees can never beat them. The Yankees against Toronto, it's not that same fear factor for me. No, there's one guy who scares me when he's at Guerrero. the play. Yeah, I mean. And he did not play the last two games. Right. Well, he came in, pinch hit. Right, pinch hit. But close yeah. enough. Scared you when the ball left his back. Uh, a little bit. And then you see Harrison Bader chasing it down and yeah. you go from there. Um, Don't you get a sense with the Yankees? We could just fast forward. to You know what it's going to be. Right. They're not going to win the division. They're going to be in the playoffs. And then they'll lose they'll in the first round. They'll probably win a round. Maybe they'll lose a round. Who the hell knows? But it's not a team that at this point in time you'd say, wow. I think well, this is the team to break the uh, the hex. Well, I don't know about break the hex, but it's tough to judge now without Severino and Radon. And but you never know what they're going to be. You can never count on them. Those two guys, you'll never be able to count on until you see it. 
right? I, I mean, can't the, fight you on that. The, the history, you know, you look back at Severino's starts and stops. And, and Severino's got a lot to prove. Severino's, agent at the Severino's end of the year. got a lot. But, you know, it's tough to prove when you can't stay healthy. Well, that's DMO. So, I mean, talent, right. super talented. Super talented. You, I mean, you, you, that rotation right now, compared to you add two top-tier starters, one you could possibly say ace 1A in Rodone when he's on, that is huge. Well, and it takes a lot of pressure off this bullpen. It takes a lot, but also it takes pressure off Cortez that he can maybe just go five instead of, you know, go six or seven every time. Or, you know, a guy like Clark Schmidt, you can live with him going five innings. Now you can't live with him going five well, innings. Well, then you could put him in the bullpen. Right, and maybe back. you could put him in the bullpen. But, I mean, Radon was supposed to be a huge addition, right? He was. They went out, and he was supposed to be their second ace, their 1A, and he hasn't pitched one inning for him. So if you get him relatively healthy, that is a huge change of the outlook on the, what this team is. Um, right now, percentages. Zero being the lowest, obviously. 100 being the greatest. We have to do this for me because <laughs> when I go on the show, Eamon can tell you, I never give the numbers and I never get it right. And I just speak and spit. And I ask for I grades, you give me numbers. I ask for numbers, you give me grades. Sounds about right. Um, <laughs> percentages, both the Yankees and the Mets are playing October baseball. On May, whatever today is, yeah, the 18th. I, uh, I'd say 70-30. Wow, that's lower than I thought. I would have gone higher. You're I think right. I would have said 80-20 myself. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right because everybody makes the playoffs nowadays. That's what I mean. But, I mean, the Mets have dug, dug themselves a hole, you know. I mean, I guess not when you look at the wild card because it's no one's, you know, really been able to break away from the pack and, and that. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. Probably 80-20, 75-25. Wow, Yankees are in better shape. Well, I like that. I'm thinking about it now. You know, the... the I'm an old school guy. I have to get used to the fact that it's the NBA and NHL and everybody makes the playoffs. And we don't like that necessarily from we could in what October. we do. Well, <laughs> listen, it may be beneficial to both the Yankees well, and the Well, I think year. it's certainly going to be beneficial. But it, hurts the, it does hurt the regular season having this many playoff teams. But depends on where you – last year, did it hurt the regular season if you're a Philadelphia Philly fan? If you're a Philly fan – No, they were in it. If you're a Philly fan, you're out of baseball by Father's Day. Yeah. Right, last year, last year, yes. Now, if it's the old format, right. in the old way, it's the old format. You're out of base. You're you're not thinking about. You're thinking about Eagles training camp by July fourth, right? And, and uh, so you're in it. It keeps more markets in it. But by the same point, you know the Mets didn't play a meaningful game. I mean, obviously the the true Met fan wanted to win that division, so those were meaningful games. But they were always in the playoffs from, uh, you know, the second half on from the All Star break on. Um, before we say goodbye. I have to get on this because you have definitely created a little bit of a stir on Twitter recently, which you like to do from time to time. Very rarely. Uh, when it comes to a particular player on the New York Knicks, who in your estimation, because listen, I did a show after Friday night's Knicks game. You know who public enemy number one right. was. It was Julius Randle, right. and rightfully so. He was dismal. But you feel like that blame and that burden for what happened here in this second round series against the Miami Heat Maybe it should be shared a little bit. Is that fair? Well, I think I totally get why the fan wants Randall out. The body language, the moping, it's tough to take. I just don't think it's addition by subtraction. And I think Randall brings it on himself, takes so much abuse that the fan doesn't have any abuse to share. And when R.J. Barrett's turning the ball over left and right in the second half, they've already decided that they're we're going, going to play. After Randall. We're going after Randall. Now, look, I get it. R.J. Barrett played very well in the playoffs after the first two games against Cleveland. The fan likes R.J. Barrett, quote-unquote, homegrown, young guy. They don't like Randall as much because he's making a ton of money and he mopes around. The body language, when he's off, it is a bad look and it's a tough guy to root for. I get it. I'm not going to necessarily defend Julius Randall until you look at the numbers. And there's no doubt when those fans at the Garden were chanting MVP in the second half of the season, they weren't chanting MVP for R.J. Barrett. So R.J. Barrett, at the end of the day, for the Knicks fan, has to, the Knicks fan has to realize that R.J. Barrett was the third overall draft pick. I'm not talking about John Starks coming out of bagging groceries in, in Oklahoma to be to wear number three and be your second favorite player, okay? I'm talking about a guy who was the third overall pick in the draft. And now you want to tell me that maybe he's going to end up being the best pick because Job and Zion Williamson may never play a full season? He's still not an all-star. And you look around at the, team, at the youth out there, Booker, Tatum, yada, yada, we could go on he's and on. He's never going to be one of those guys. Okay, but, but why can not? He, can he be an all-star caliber can, is, player? Is, is, ask, is being an all-star asking too much of the guy? Um, No, I don't think so. Okay. But that's the next step he's got to take as a player. 
I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that you look at and say he's a cornerstone of our franchise. I think he can be a big part of what... Here's what I like about him. He clearly gives a shit, which I respect. There are a lot of guys in the league that don't. R.J. Barrett. Do you go Alonzo on me with the language here on this show? Well, I'm allowed to every now and again. (laughs) Listen, there are certain words I won't even use. I don't... Every now and again, I could drop one. You know, it's uh, not... That is the beauty of podcast land. I don't have to worry about the FCC coming down my back. All right. Uh, We will use different language on how the sports (laughs) land about a half hour. Um, But he cares. In in all seriousness, he cares and he works. The problem is he does not have a jump shot that is sustainable to play at a high enough level even in the NBA right now. That's his biggest issue. If he could hit a mid-range or a three-point shot 35 to 40% of the time, then he would be an all-star player. That's, but that's the jump. That's, that's the question. That's that's the question. Sometimes he also gets caught in traffic. He, he doesn't know what he's doing once he gets to the rim. But, uh, you know, he's a good player, obviously. I'm not saying I'm giving up on him, but I just want to... But he's not untouchable. To your point, like, I wouldn't look at this summer, and I don't think the Knicks, for what it's worth, are going to do a whole lot this summer. I think it's a fringe piece here, a fringe piece there. I think Randall's back because I think he's untradeable. I think R.J. Barrett will end up being back. But if there's a move that can make them seriously better, I wouldn't look at R.J. Barrett and say, oh, there's no way in the world right. to trade this. Now, Brunson, on the other hand, Brunson, I told you this the other day, it's my favorite Knicks since Ewing. Wow. He is equipped Mello. Uh, what's not to like about the guy? Oh, does no. everything. I totally He's agree. a winner, dude. You can't argue it. I mean, he hits shot after shot. He plays tough. Uh, he's played hurt, obviously, down the stretch and in the and, and in the playoffs. He's a winner. He and Hart can play on my team any day of the week. Now it's about kind of finding a couple more guys like that. The, hey, look, that's the, the idea. You, you, you know, understand. We looked at oh, they lost to the eight seed. They lost to the eight seed. They lost to the eight seed. Miami's not an eight seed. No, and they've my, been in the conference finals three to right, last four been years. In the conference finals, but still. You know, they out-talented the Knicks at positions that you did not think they were going to out-talent them. And the Knicks have to find that, that another guy, and Tibbs has to get with it offensively. His offense is prehistoric, and I'm a Tibbs guy. I'm not going to bash Tibbs. I love him. But I, Spolstra I want... ran circles around him. His, his He's offense... also the best coach in the league. Spolstra. Yeah, it looks that way. In yeah. my opinion, he is. I mean, everyone else is getting fired, so I don't know who's <laughs> left. I got Marty Williams. I mean, can Phoenix do me a favor and fire him when Notre Dame needs a coach and not wait so long? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm happy with who we got, but we could have had Monty Williams if you were going to fire him. You're not wrong about that. I don't know if he's in the budget in Notre Dame. Maybe he is, uh, maybe he isn't. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll find some in. We'll take away some lacrosse NIL money to get him there going. You go, get Monty in the mix. He might uh, end up at the Sixers. He's got to end up with a good job because there's 9 million good jobs out there. I mean, you would think. Would you give the overall grade a good one? for the New York winter postseason run, or did it not live up to no, maybe what you were thinking? It fizzled. I mean, I needed more out of the Rangers. The Rangers to, to me were the team. Like, the yeah. Knicks getting a second round was a big win. It was, yeah. Monsters. Yeah. You got greedy when the Bucks were out. Like, like the, the, whole, the whole outlook changes if you're facing Giannis and you lose in five. Oh, they'd be getting bouquets. We get bouquets, big time bouquets. They get bouquets anyway, but they'd be getting uh, double the amount. Yeah, yeah, they'd be getting, uh, they'd be getting a whole, uh, yeah, a whole arrangement. Um, I think the Rangers needed to get farther. And it's nothing against the Devils. I know probably the Devils are the better team, but to, you know, to have some juice and excitement around here in this town, we needed a little bit more out of the hockey teams. I don't disagree. Amy McEnany, you see him nightly on SNY, Honda Sports Night. You got a show to do? Is it uh, written? Is it done? What's always it written. Oh, always done, written. Always written. Oh, not JJ, if you notice the show now, you carry the whole show anymore. It's just JJ, your thoughts? Well, I don't know about Circle that. We got up. SNY. We got all the uh, the kid in the corner. There's well, a lot well, of well, aiming. Uh, well, we have a some... few highlights, but we're down now. It's funny, JJ, if you just take two seconds, how quickly it all changed. We went for a good two months where the shows were jam-packed. Baseball starts. Aaron Rodgers this. Aaron Rodgers that. The NFL draft. Knicks, Nets, playoffs. Three hockey teams in the playoffs. Now it's baseball bunch. Yeah, a lot of baseball until we see those guys in pads in late July, early August. That's Which, by the way, get your popcorn ready. I think we're going to have a fun football season. I think we're going to have a fun football season. I think the Giants are going to take a step back, but I still think it's going to be fun. I think they're going to I think they're gonna be... Do you know their win total? I'm putting you on the spot. I, ha- I haven't done that yet. I'll let you ta- no, no, no. I have it. Oh, oh, oh the over-under take, win Take total. a guess. Eight. Seven and a half. Very good. Uh, that's a tough number. That's Vegas, a tough one. Vegas... Agreeing with you on yeah. regression. Yeah. Well, I just think schedules. I, I just think the schedules the brutal, and they haven't gotten they haven't gotten better enough. You know, they they needed a uh, big. T- they still need a big time wide receiver. I think they'll be better with their weapons. I think they've done a good job, but you know, crazy it, thing is they could be better as a roster, right? And win less right, games, right? But then you know, can you steal one from the Cowboys? You know, That's, they got to do that. I mean, 0 and 4 against the, actually, yeah. 0 and 5 against the Eagles and the Cowboys, including that playoff right, game. Right, including the playoff game. And the one they beat the Washington, gosh, I almost called them that other name. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't exactly a thing of beauty. But, uh, you know, look, they got to be better. They, you know, Daniel Jones now has no more excuses, although he's getting paid, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But I think they're going to take a step back record-wise in the Jets. Hey, AFC Championship game. Let's go. Uh, let's hope not. Team of Miami has something to say about that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for a few minutes. I'll see you on it. Now that uh, you, you will wind it down here, I better see you on the golf course soon. Absolutely. We got to get Absolutely. that on the, uh, on the agenda. Slice. Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that. <laughs> Eamon McEnany. We'll cover right back. All right. Always phone my guy, Eamon. Now, trivia time on a Thursday because uh, Stefan is going to be away the next couple of days. So we need to have Stefan here for our weekly uh, trivia entanglement. Need my guy here. I mean, before Stefan runs into Matson in Sweden, which he might. He's doing the uh, the big Spotify uh, retreat. So uh, I expect a detailed scouting report from Stefan of everything that I need to know or see if I ever go to Sweden. Uh, might have to at some point. Listen, it is a partnership with the Spotify company. Uh, this point in my life right now, I'm a little busy. I mean, we got a lot going on show-wise, wedding-wise. Life is a mess and I say that in a good way, but it is an absolute mess. So uh, I expect a detailed scouting report, Stefan, of Sweden uh, uh, upon your arrival. Before we do trivia, actually, Stefan, now that we're on this note, aside from the, the company aspect of it, what are you individually, sir, looking forward to the most in making your way to Stockholm, Sweden? I am fascinated. So I've never uh, been to Europe. So I'm very excited to go to Europe for the first time of my life. Um, I think that's going to be super excited. Um, I hear that it's very beautiful there in Sweden. So I want to do some nice. sightseeing. Um, How's the weather? See. Do you know what the weather's going to be? So I looked. It's a little cooler than it is here right now, like in the like 50s, 60s area. So, you know, like a light jacket, hoodie kind of combo. So, you know, I get to wear some more long sleeves before the summer starts in a few weeks. So, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think they they said it's a bunch of museums there. So, you know, check out, do some sightseeing. and So you will do some touristy stuff. But yeah, you for also, sure. For sure. You'll, my man will get after it for a couple of days, I hope. Oh, no, no, for sure. I'm going to have some fun. But, like, there to there me, there's, go. like, no, like, to-do list. I think I'm going to just take everything on the fly as it comes. Like, nothing. I like the sound of that. You know, yeah. Stefan, that's how I live my life. You know me, and you have now worked with me for about, what, over two years? Yeah, going on two uh, years and a few people weeks. People who ask me, and listen, this drives my fiancé insane, I am not a fan of lists. I am not a fan of plans. I am a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of guy. It has worked well for me for 35 years. Ain't yes. broke. Don't fix it. So for you, sir, I totally endorse that theory. Fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll, I'll make, I'm now, excited, in, man. In some instances, Stefan, I, I do need a little plan. I, I do need a little structure. I <laughs> yeah, think yeah, you yeah. in this case, though, this is nice. You kind of could just say, all right, let's let it rip. We'll figure it out, and away we go. Exactly. And I'm, I'm going to meet a lot of our Ringer coworkers that we work so closely with for the first time in person. So, you know, we'll put, you'll, we'll put faces to the personalities that I've been working very closely with. And uh, I think it's going to be a good, good time. Good three, four days. And then back to it, man. We're back on the grind. You'll see me uh, next Sunday. We'll be back at it, Jay. We'll wow. be back at and it. Again, a wonderful detailed scouting report of Sweden we will get. All right. Absolutely. Good stuff. Safe travels for our guys, Stefan. Um, trivia time. Larry, I got you on Sunday. I'm ready for you. Let's rock. Let's do it. Larry, two questions for you tonight. In the last 10 years, in a single season, what pitcher had the lowest ERA and did not win the Cy Young? The second question is, currently, there are five starting catchers in the major leagues that are switch hitters. Can you name the five? I'm out. Interesting. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, the ERA one. Last 10 years, lowest ERA, no Cy Young. I want to say it was 2015, and it was Granky. Is that accurate for the Dodgers? Granky. I had a feeling about that. Because I remember that was a controversial Cy Young vote. And everybody fell in love with Arietta. And Arietta was fantastic for the Cubs, but Granky could make the argument was the better pitcher the entire uh, length of the season. All right. Nailed that one, Larry. Trivia question number two. Five switch hitting catchers currently in baseball. 
See, man, this brings me back to my childhood where I'm thinking about Veritech and Jorge Posada and like just switching and catches up the wazoo. Not as not as many. Uh, I can think of one. I think he's on the Mets. Omar Nevaez. Mm. Why did I think Nevaez was a switch hitter? I guess he's not. I guess he's not. Um, Gotta think about this one. See, this is where you're gonna get me, Kelly. This is where you're gonna get me. Switch hitting catches. Not with the Yankees. Not with the Red Sox. Is uh, Rutschman with the Orioles? I think he's a switch hitter. I could be wrong. He is. I thought so. All right. So one down, four to go. Got Rutschman. Man, switch hitting catches. I'm like going through each team. Uh, the backup on the Mets, who just got sent down, Michael Perez. Does he count? Mm. He does not. Okay. He does not. This is a very, very tough question. I'm like going through in my head like each of the teams and each of the catches. The position right now is just terrible. It is terrible. Zanino's a righty. Oh, I got one. Yasmani Grandal. There we go. We got two. Three left. Riamuto, no. Murphy, no. Contreras, no. Will Smith, no. And the catching position, like I said, it's just terrible. Stefan, actually, here's what I want you to do. Because I'm never going to get these guys. Give me the three teams. That might help me. Okay. So you have one on the Rangers. Okay. You have one that plays for the Mariners. Okay. And our last guy, he plays for, excuse me, I'm just making sure I got this right for you. Our last guy, he plays for the Washington Nationals. Oh, man. Mariners, Rangers, Nationals. Just saw the Nationals a bunch, too. You would think this would be fresh in my mind. The other two teams, not so much. Larry, you got me. Who is it, Stefan? Who is it? So, Jonah Heim. Say it for me one more time. Jonah Heim. Jonah Heim. Okay. Kiebert Ruiz. Okay. And our last guy that we're missing is, uh, excuse me, I want to make sure I'm saying his name right. See, this is when you know it's a tough question. Stefan is looking up pronunciation <laughs> for names. That's all you need to know. That's brutal. all I want. I want to make sure I'm saying his name right. And we have Cal Rowley. Excuse me, Cal Rowley. Cal Rowley. See, I don't think of him as a catcher for whatever the reason. I always, I, I always confuse him and Ty France. Rowley, Rowley's the one I should have gotten. The other two, I mean, listen, Larry, job well done. You want to get job well done. All right, before we say goodbye. Uh, Jeff Bunny, Game 2, Eastern Conference Final. Floor is yours, baby. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here to handicap the picks. It'll be for tomorrow, Friday the 19th, Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to roll with the Boston Celtics. They are minus 9 over the Miami Heat. Again, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics in Game Number 2. Down uh, 1-0, tie up the series and should get a nice win. Minus the 9. That's going to be my play. Let's see if we have some family plays. Okay, JJ, everyone can always follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. That is a family play for game two. Now, full disclosure, I'm rooting for the Heat. And my play for the NBA Conference Finals is I have the Heat plus two and a half games parlay with the Nuggets. Two to one. Really good price. I need one more Heat win. Nuggets are halfway home against the Lakers. The Lakers got it. Terrible game out of Davis today. Tough for the Lakers to win when they get a bad game out of Davis. Even when some of their supporting players are stepping up, they need Davis and James playing at a high level. And 
They just, they're not going to win games in Denver against that team with all their options, with all their shooting, and with that environment, with that being the case. I think the Lakers will respond. I would not be shocked if the Lakers win the next two games of this series. But can the Lakers go and win in Denver? That's the million-dollar question. Boston is going to win game two. The question is, do you get a game two like the Philly series where they smoke them? The line kind of indicates yes. Or do you get a situation like the one we had uh, with the Knicks and the Heat where all of a sudden you look and it's holy smokes. The Heat might be able to go and win and go up 2-0. And the difference is Jimmy Butler, unlike game two against the Knicks, he's going to be playing. I know some people are going to say, well, nine is too many. Look at these game twos and look at the teams down 0-1 in these game twos at home. you got to keep following that trend. That's what we're going to do. So we'll be back on Sunday. We're going down to two shows next week. Maybe throwing in a floating live Twitter spaces, maybe, depending on my mood, depending on what night we want to do it. So you want to stay tuned for that. Uh, but we'll be ready to rock on the New York, New York feed Sunday night after the Mets and the Guardians after game three of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Yankees will have their series wrapped up in Cincinnati. And if you want more plays for the weekend, the East Coast Bias Boys will be reuniting tomorrow morning. Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and yours truly getting ready for all the NBA basketball. Ton of fun. Stefan, safe travels to Stockholm. We'll be back on Sunday. JJ out. Enjoy your weekend. Be good, everybody. <laughs>